0: all all european languages anyway european not right now <laughs> <laughs>
1: were you recording that whole time yes yes and <laughs> you Thank said you. i am a child and then you said <laughs> not right now <laughs> <laughs> yep I never You may notice that our podcast may sound a little different. While we always wear a mask and social distance during recordings, Tom and I have moved to a more open and not so enclosed environment to ensure an even safer environment for recording. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoy the show. We wanna give a special thanks to our sponsor Rode Microphones. Rode is an Australian based audio equipment company with a great US support team that makes quality consumer and professional microphones and accessories. Here at Two Weird Camera Beards, Tom and I use a Rodecaster Pro mixer and Rode pod mics to record each episode. If you're interested in Rode audio equipment, Midwest Photo is an authorized reseller, and you can find their products by visiting mpex.com and searching Rode. That's M-P-E-X dot Search R-O-D-E. And a special thanks to Ray
0: Sherlow. Ray wrote the music that we use for the show. It's the song Try a Little Harder from his album Forward Facing. If you dig his music like I do, check out the link in the show notes. Thanks, Ray.
1: Okay. So, uh, today we have with us uh, a fellow podcaster and a, a co worker, Mr. Matt Mirage. Hey,
2: thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Thank you, yeah. thanks for coming, Matt. Um, Matt, how long have you been with Midwest now? Oh, my gosh. Uh, this is my, I think I'm in the middle of my eighth year now. Jeez. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, Those started... are like
0: sunny numbers. Oh, don't say
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. now, now I'm going to feel like just lawn furniture. <laughs>
1: oh. <laughs> Um, so you've you've been with Midwest, uh, this is the middle of your eighth year, mm-hmm. you are our learning studio instructor mm-hmm. uh, for Photo 101, 102, 103, you do the darkroom series when the darkroom uh, is open to multiple people, mm-hmm. obviously not the pandemic. Um, you have your own YouTube channel, which is incredible. Um, is it, is it?
2: matt4226 on youtube oh you can just t- cite matt mirage or, yeah, he usually or, pops or up. large format friday so the channel's just self-titled because yeah it was like cell phone videos that i used to put up on there yeah, yeah.
1: but uh, let me just say to anybody who doesn't watch large format friday um this past week you don't have to be a large format junkie to enjoy what he did um, which was kind of a take on imposter syndrome um, and having that nagging voice in your head that's always critiquing you. Uh, let me just say that was an incredible video. Like, oh, thanks. Crazy impressed with that. Tom, did you see it? I have not watched it yet. Go, go home. Yeah. Like, put your he- take your headphones off. Go home right now. Mm. Go watch it. All right, I'll be back, guys, here in just a minute.
0: <laughs> and for those of you looking for the videos, it's also Matt with one T. I just want to make sure oh, that good that's, Oh, good yeah, point. Yeah, that's
1: yeah. a really good point. That's a really yeah. good point. Um, and then you uh, co-host another podcast, uh, Film Photography Project, or FPP, which mm-hmm. um, Tom and I were, you know, we're kind of in awe that you, you agreed to come to our podcast and, yeah. and do no this. Pressure. No pressure. No pressure, Kev. No pressure. <laughs> um,
2: we're a little intimidated, it's just uh you know the fpp is great it's just the it's the antithesis of a lot of uh really gear focused and and kind of it's like we do talk about gear but it's kind of like a bad college radio show with like ridiculous dad jokes and fart noises and, (laughs) and all sorts of stuff and like people just send us snacks and, and cameras and that's it's, awesome. it's over the years it's evolved into just this larger thing than we could have ever ever imagined yeah so, yeah
1: so i think tom and i probably have trouble from time to time elaborating the visual into an audio form on this podcast do you guys ever find that to be a challenge yourselves at fpp
2: so we'd been asked or badgered even from uh you know listeners of the podcast for years like oh put more video stuff out there and the uh, the main the main host the creator of FPP uh Mr. Michael Rosso he his background is actually cinema he's like okay. he is the king of straight to uh straight to VHS straight to DVD and he is uh, you know I don't think he has any problem with me saying he is the guy so like you know when you think of like parody films or like parody films that would I don't know make their way to Cinemax at 2 in the morning <laughs> he's the guy wow oh. he is known for such features as kinky kong and lord oh of the g-strings God. Oh, oh my, God. And, oh my gosh. No, like so all of those ty- so th- that's his background is low budget horror and and th- just really entertaining um that kind of does any budget cinema me. yeah it's, it's so great and, <laughs> and that vibe translates so well to just yeah. this lo-fi beats um off the wall podcast that has become fpp and it's just like oh my gosh that's been going since 09 i've been a part of it since uh, late 2010 2011 which now seems like forever ago and it's like oh man yeah podcasts have been around that long <laughs> yeah Yep. that's not that's sweet uh
1: i had a question but it whatever it escaped you <laughs> yeah mm. um how's your how's your 2021 so far i mean do you feel like it's refreshing compared to what 2020 <laughs> was. You know,
2: it's uh so I you know, I'm part of a a dual creative household. So, you know, I, I do the stuff here with Midwest, I do the podcast, I do the YouTube channel. That was mm-hmm. kind of a lockdown goal. I was like, I'm going to do something with this. Yeah. And you know, my fiance Lauren, she's a she's an illustrator. So like it's all creative and it's all like um introverted creative creative energy all the time. Mm-hmm. There's no um, there's no like need to just like go out and do all the things anyway. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're thriving <laughs> in all of this and I'm just finding other things to uh, keep it, keep it busy and see if I can kind of spin this disadvantage into an advantage.
1: Yeah, for sure. And That's cool. Um, just to touch on, on Lauren, she's, she is an incredible illustrator. Um, has her website, is it Bagley Arts?
2: Yeah, so um, uh, Lauren Bagley's her name and uh, she can go to, you can go to Bagley Arts, uh, B-A-G-L-E-Y arts.com. Uh, and her first book, or her first children's book that has uh, printed in hardback uh, is now available. Oh, cool. Uh, you that's so can, awesome. You can buy it on Amazon, but you can also order it through Barnes & Noble. Yeah. Um, and there's uh, a couple local um, bookshops that are going to be picking it up here pretty soon. Oh, so, excellent. Yeah. That's sweet. That's, um, that's a really like, big thing we're excited about. So you can go to the website. We just shot some uh, some like, product photos and videos of it. So those should show up on the website by the time the podcast is up. That's Very cool. cool. Very cool. Nice. That's awesome.
0: That's awesome. Uh, I've got, I just wanted to mention just with Matt here uh, as part of his introduction, I, I love having you in the shop. I love Matt is on the sales floor quite a bit. He's also in the learning studio quite a bit. I love that you're just as excited to get somebody into like a Canon AE-1 or a Holga or whatever, as, as much as you are like a Sony FS5. Oh, yeah. And that's like I, I love that the like diversity of media that you work with is is rad.
1: Yeah, yeah. As long as I've known Matt, he's he's always been very passionate about uh, creating. Uh, all that to say, we brought you on today to talk about the one thing that you specialize in, which is um, video. You 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 said yeah. you have your own YouTube channel. Um, we wanted to kick it off with. <laughs> like a vocab rundown for those who aren't familiar with video because there's a lot of people oh, that, cool. that, do, uh, that 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 do shoot photography and um, maybe they're curious about what to do with video and they mm-hmm. hear all of these intimidating terms. So we wanted to uh, run down this list of voc- vocabulary for video and see if you could break it down in the simplest way that a photographer might uh, be able to understand it. Oh, okay, um, sure. You cool with that? Yeah, yeah, let's go. Tom, you want to ping pong this? Is this like a lightning yeah. round?
0: Just yeah, I was going to sure. say, how, how quick do we want
1: these answers? I mean, if, if you could sum it up in a matter of like three sentences, that'd be cool. cool. Do we have a buzzer? N- there's no buzzer. This is right. now. Yeah. All right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, right off the bat, aspect ratio.
2: Sure. This is just your, this is the same as your crop in your camera. So, you know, three by two is what a lot of your DSLR and mirrorless cameras' uh, sensors are doing. So that's a native. That will translate to sixteen by nine. In that, uh, you're going to get the widescreen bars, the, mm-hmm. the top and the bottom. So, aspect ratio is just as much a creative choice in video as it is in stills. There's less options. Well, no, I guess there's about about the same options. But really, it boils down to: Do you want it the same factor as your camera, which YouTube now will like dynamically resize anyway based on what you're doing? <laughs> there are panoramic formats uh, that are based on was it European widescreen, oh, old old American widescreen. Um, is it anamorphic? is it uh, is it dci or like the kind of the uh, international cinema, so seventeen by nine? so there's all sorts of fun aspect ratios. I think video um, it's it doesn't get explored a lot until you get into like short uh, short form films and such. Mm-hmm. but yeah, it's just the same uh, you don't see a lot of square format video either, but now we're you know we're getting into the world of vertical video mm-hmm. so nine sixteen exactly. yeah, <laughs> so you're you're getting either the the three by two or the or the sixteen nine. yeah, and it's uh, it's kind of cool, but yeah, it's just the same as cropping your photograph. Except when you're uh, when you're working in cinema, it does have an effect on what you let into the frame because it's you know each frame is a living, breathing thing. It's not just this one still that's analyzed. Yeah. Do you have when you
1: watch a movie? Do you have a preference of full screen versus widescreen?
2: Um, so my favorite aspect ratio is actually the old European uh, cinema form factor, which is 1.6. Oh, and the other thing is the ratio. They will just state what it is. Um, so like. Uh, 16 by 9 has a uh, another factor oh gosh what is that 1.88 so they'll state it as like what that you divide the the larger number by the smaller number and that's what they call the aspect ratio. oh interesting so my favorite one is 1.66, which is the same as no surprise. My favorite camera, 12 by 20, <laughs> so it's a it's a slightly panoramic format. It's a little bit um, uh, longer, skinnier than yeah. than 16 by 9. Yeah. Cool, that's and sweet. you said that's at like a European wide wide. That was the old European widescreen, and there's a few um, few American movies. So the probably the most famous one that was uh, recently done in that form factor was uh, was uh, oh my gosh. Uh, I think it was. I think it was just called Jackie. It was the. Um, oh yeah, the one about
0: Jackie Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that, oh, one,
2: that one was delivered in 1.66. Yeah, oh, very cool.
0: I always like it in movies when they change the aspect ratio to kind of intensify a scene, and it kind of narrows. Oh yeah, that's like that's, the bars kind of come into place, and then you're just like, oh, stuff's about to happen." Yeah, stuff's going down <laughs> right now. Yeah, and that's that's a
2: technique. It's it's narrowing your focus and saying, "Look, this is important. You're going to yeah. see some things." Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Um
1: okay so what's what is b-roll and how, you know talk to us about b-roll in in terms of tilts pans uh sliding
0: yeah. zooms so, super zooms <laughs> so, so, so,
2: so b-roll and B-roll is life uh b-roll yeah. is the lifeblood of any uh any video where you have an otherwise boring shot that's going on and this you'll see this no shortage of this in Um, not you don't see it too much on the podcast people do expect when they see a video podcast they're like okay I can click away this is cool I can just let it go in the background but when you're watching a video that's usually shorter form or has has some narration to it usually b-roll is going to be the backbone of that it's going to be the interesting footage that's not it won't necessarily match up with the audio that you're looking at but it matches with the overall theme it conveys the the picture so it's it's helping you it's helping you figure out something in your mind's eye based on what the person is telling you or, 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 fits the narrative. So actually, uh, I just borrowed a piece like literally right now so I can go mm. shoot some B roll. Yeah. And that's uh that's the Moza sly pod. So it's that little monopod that acts like a little slider jib sort of crazy deal thing. Cause I have some B roll for a uh, product review video that I'm doing. So uh, b roll is just uh, another way to show and, uh, show something different than the static shot and keep it interesting. And a lot of times you can do this with camera movements by, you know, panning the camera back and uh, back and forth on a fixed axis head, or you can slide it like the slide pod can do where it's Mm -hmm. it's physically pushing the camera side to side, or my favorite type of shot, the more interesting push where you're going in or out. And the cool thing about this, this device is it's not like a slider where you have it on a track and dolly. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just a pole and the cameras attached to the end of this pole or a ball head. So it actually doesn't show when you do a push shot. So most of the time you have a wide angle and you're doing that really cool vertigo type effect where you're yeah, pushing yeah. the scene in. Uh, a lot of those sliders, they have to digitally edit out the uh, the track that it's on. Right. This you don't have to because it's just sitting at the very end of it. So it's just really keeping things interesting, moving the camera around. And I think um, it's almost like it's almost like forbidden to use like older school pans and tilts anymore because that's on a fixed head. That was a technology that it was a, it was a cool thing to include into your video until adding more advanced motion became the norm. So now the new Mm -hmm. norm is like just stabilized handheld shots or gimbal shots or drone shots or all that thing. So it's just keeping things interesting. I I would say if you're doing a video that's, that's trying to convey the, you know, keep people's attention and convey uh, an uh, interesting concept there's there's no such thing as shooting too much b-roll but there is there is such a thing as delivering too much b-roll so yeah. it's yeah. it's that little it's that little f- extra 5% that's sprinkled on top of this this cake that is your your video to grab
1: your attention mm-hmm. yeah. that is probably the best definition because in my head i can never like define b-roll but i can always see it yeah <laughs> um, and i now i'm curious why so if that's b-roll and you're in your main scene is you know, technically, would your A roll kind yeah, of? Yeah, you got. Um, it. Why would A roll be more boring? You know, why? I don't know. You think? You think? I don't know. There's just thought in my head.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's not so much that it's not as I, I. I don't ever think it's boring. I think that it's just it doesn't seem like important all the time. That's true. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, what a who's kind of the like king of B roll to you, king or queen of B roll?
2: Ooh, um. I don't know if i have anybody that's like a king, the king of b-roll like i like, i really like look up to my buddy mike uh, mike rosso for his b-roll oh, yeah? just because it's it's off the wall because he was like he was making ridiculous low-budget horror movies from his high school years on <laughs> that's super, awesome on super eight <laughs> that's and awesome And he was doing like and super eight cameras because they're silent movies those kind of force you to to shoot your principal footage like b-roll because then you are adding music or foley or or something over top uh, at the (laughs) end of it so pretty much everything he shoots Um, is like really interesting b-roll yeah okay yeah that's great uh the next one that
0: i've got here is bitrate this one confuses how yeah i i think that it is one of those things i think that sony kind of opened that up for people to be like what is this new setting that's on my camera with mm-hmm. the mirrorless and how do I what does it mean for me kind of thing?
2: Yeah, so bitrate is uh, it's not it's a numbers game. It's it's ones and zeros. It's how many ones and zeros are coming for through each color channel. So of course your your camera has a sensor and the sensors have millions of little pixels or photo sites and each one of those can deliver color information. The depth of which they can deliver that color information is expressed in a bit number. So Hmm. 8-bit is like 8 bits per channel. So red, green, blue, each have a combination of eight zeros and ones that go together. And that ends up being about 16, 17 million-ish colors. Uh, Then you have like your 10-bit or your log kind of... So there is log footage for 8-bit, but it's terrible. Don't go for it. Um, (laughs) Then there's... um, and there's like your 10 bit and your 10 bit has more ones and zeros so you're moving from millions of colors to just over a billion colors and then you start to get into your your higher bit depth stuff like your 12 bit your 444 your almost, your semi raw and your raw footage hmm. those have even more bits so the tens of billions of colors and this is just like when i teach photo 101 it's the same thing bit depth is is kind of the difference it, it's a little bit more gray area than jpeg mm-hmm. and raw because yeah. movies can be MPEG, they can be raw, but there's a lot of in-betweens now because we're fighting against how much data can we push through at any given time on these cameras. And bitrate is just a way to measure that. Yeah. So another way you can think about it is like you have more you have more you're carving out a you're carving out a statue, and more bitrate is more stone to cut away. Okay. when you're working. That makes okay. sense. And you can also think of it like a game of that old Parker Brothers game, uh, Kerplunk. Okay, yeah. So you yeah, got yeah. you got the marbles at the top of the cup. Yeah. Well, more bitrate is more marbles. So when you start editing, which is pulling those sticks out and the marbles fall through, it's called editing, not editing. You're always taking away information to mm. end up with your final edit. So more bits is going to give you more stuff that you can throw away.
1: Flexibility. Mm-hmm. Got
0: it. Can you guys tell yet that he's like kind of the king of our learning studio <laughs> at this point? That's <laughs> that's great, Matt. I love that. Um, um what uh at what point is it pretty much overkill for your average user that's like for like what you do for YouTube and stuff like that oh, at this point, I can shoot it with my phone yeah <laughs> yeah and
2: and and we'll we'll get to like philosophy and stuff like that later, I'm sure, but like bitrate is if you're worrying about this and you don't have a camera in your hand, like just just start shooting with your with whatever you have yeah it's yeah, awesome for, for sure, but like bitrate will start to come into play once you start realizing that the limits are no longer you, but guess what? The limits are going to be you for a lot longer than the camera is going to be a limit. And especially now, like in 2021, I think the biggest problem is there are way too many good cameras, like an insanely high number of good cameras. Mm -hmm. And people are just like bombarded with the FOMO of, Oh, well, Sony's going to release another great thing in two weeks. It's like, no, just go shoot. Like there's so many great things. I love that. Um, you know, I started in photography right around the DSLR revolution where for filmmaking, there was zilch options. You mm-hmm. either had a hundred fifty thousand dollar budget, which was considered a low budget, or you or you had to like pitch a film and get really, 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 really lucky, or, mm-hmm. or shoot film and then ugh, like yeah. <laughs> now there's like a million different options. Oh, and by the way, your phone is like the best creation device that it's ever been. Like yeah. I have, I've done two YouTube episodes entirely on my Google Pixel three A, which is a three hundred dollar phone, with, That's with with a fifteen dollar app, Filmic Pro, that gets me ten bit footage, clean HDMI out. Full uh-huh. audio levels, logs, color grade. It's crazy. Out of a phone. And it just uploads to the cloud. Like, it's ready to download and edit by the time I get home. So, there's there's no excuses anymore. Yeah. But we want to think there are because we see all this extra like, shiny stuff. And, yeah. oh, oh, this what about this bitrate? You don't have a camera. Yeah. <laughs> <Get> <laughs> as a, a camera. <laughs> yeah. I experienced
0: that a lot, too, on the sales floor. Just, like, it's funny. I started out shooting events on a D80, a mm-hmm. Nikon D80. And now I'm, like... Dude, buy like buy a f- D fifty six hundred, and you'll already be ahead of where most people were five yeah. years ago. Yeah, yeah, but they can't yeah. see that
2: because they see all these other like high end mm-hmm. things, and it's just because that that technology is getting cheaper and more accessible, and it's just always getting better. So like, yeah, get it, bit rate should not be the the final decider of the camera. Yeah, um, and if it is, just go shoot some stuff with your phone until you're sick of it.
1: It sounds like honestly, the the, the good chunk of people that you know may be listening to this or may stop into our store that are shooting wedding videos or even small business commercial mm-hmm. uh, um, kind of promo videos or um, a small commercial for TV, they will maybe 0.01% of them will actually push the limit of 10 bit.
2: Oh, yeah, and I would say they could probably do it all in 8-bit. Like, I literally do my YouTube channel. This is going to be a giveaway. Like, oh, this guy's an amateur. Uh, I have an (laughs) X-Pro3, which if you Google, is an X-Pro3 good for video, you're going to get, like, people shouting at you to to throw that (laughs) camera away because it's terrible for video. And it's, like, it's inconvenient. And, yeah, I rent out an X-T4 a lot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I'm not going to buy it yet because I can get there. My X-Pro3 shoots 8-bit 420. All that means is I gotta be there. I have to be dead on yeah. with my exposure. Yeah. Well, I shoot so, film, so I'm not worried about being dead on. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can get it.
0: Well, and that just, uh, yeah, I think those limitations just teach you to be better
2: than yeah. too. Yeah, that's yeah. true. And by this time, uh, you know, over a year in with the same camera, doing the same process, I know if it's me or if it's the camera. And at this point, yeah, I'm sick of the camera, but I know how to work it. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And when that goes down, because it went down for a week. I know how to get it on my phone. I'm like, Oh crap. Do I even need this camera? Like...
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, so kind of, uh, on, on the same lines, I'm going to skip ahead here too. Sure. Cause you mentioned log. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me about color grading. We hear colorists, we hear color grading. What mm-hmm. does that mean in terms of video?
2: It's just another way of stylizing. So it's not just editing your footage. So, you know, the cut, you know, uh, what sequence things are going. So, mm-hmm. um, color grading is just adding a look to it it's it's giving it a a feeling other than just correcting so um in normal like stills editing i always say we have our three c's we have our our cull our crop and our correct Hmm. we throw out the bad stuff we we get it into the form factor we like it and then we start correcting it and color grading is just another effort to further correct the footage most of the time it's a a small adjustment you know just like us like we would do in stills Small curves, adjustment, small levels, hmm. do a bit of sharpening here. But in higher bit depth footage, like 10 bit and above, we now get access to more color grading because we're getting our footage closer to raw. So now we can add looks to things and say, you know what, Ooh, I want that Blade Runner look. I'm gonna get some of those those really cool like yellow orange highlights and those really like moody teal blue yeah. like mm-hmm. shadows. And you can start to do that as well. Yeah. And software now is just like, hey, you wanna make it look like this? Cool, two clicks and you're done. So yeah. there's no shortage of different ways you can go about that. Mm. Um, but color grading is just adding adding a look to the footage, which hopefully if it was exposed well is like flat and kind of like your that's your your open palette to work from.
1: Yeah. And that always, that always confused me at looking at, um, you know, you look at some of the behind-the-scenes footage of, of making movies and you see them staring at a monitor where the image is very... Gray mm-hmm. and flat, and then you see an, uh, an image come out. You know, maybe you're watching Interstellar, and you see a lot of blue tones and and flares and things like that. Or you or you see The Matrix, and it's a lot of green overtones yep. when they're in the mm-hmm. you know the fake world of, of The Matrix, and that's kind of what I relate it to. Um, I was always confused about that at first, but you know now that I understand more about video and you explaining color grading, that makes a lot of sense.
2: What's really kind of cool now too is. Uh, the terminology and uh, this is like the obvious like thing that's going to happen, you know, stills, it it had a certain, you know, naming to it. So, Oh, we're just editing. Mm -hmm. So editing was kind of thrown into stills because stills had things built in like color and contrast and such. But Mm. now that more people are kind of crossing over and hybridizing, Mm -hmm. uh, if you look at the newer stuff in Lightroom or the Adobe camera raw, now they have a color grading tab. Mm. So they are made, like the things are are merging the visual art uh, that is like general photography videography is kind of merging into this, this one solid thing. And I I like that because it's, it's unifying this terminology, which could be overwhelming to somebody, but at the same time, they're probably also swamped in all of this tech.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. That's great. Uh, I'm going to move on to uh, let's, let's talk about frame rate. Okay. I think that that's probably similar in people's minds in terms of like uh aspect ratio Mm -hmm. in terms of just what does that mean for me like there's a lot of options on the new cameras as well and how do you i know that there's a connection there with shutter
2: speed as well and Mm -hmm. yeah so frame rate is just how many still frames a second are happening so video is nothing more than a, a series of still pictures just moving at a certain rate and there's a certain point at which the human eye starts to uh the eye and brain starts to blend it into nice smooth motion and depending on the rate at which that's moving it's going to uh it's going to tell your brain something different but it's also going to require different things out of your camera because you're also affecting the exposure when you do this and i think that's the, conf- the point of contention or confusion yeah. so with uh, frame rates you, you have kind of like three basic ones that we operate at and then like the funky ones our three basic ones are going to be 24 30 and 60 which Uh, are never actually 24, 30, or 60. They actually have these little shaved-off bits at the end because we're working with digital technology and we're working with audio that that comes in at a certain rate. So Mm -hmm. our 24 frames a second is actually uh, 23.98, but it's actually 23.98. Yeah, it's 23.98. We'll just call it that. Yeah. (laughs) Film is different because film is moving through a gate at a very fixed rate, so that actually moves at exactly 24. Oh, interesting. so it's a little bit different but 2398 is our digital equivalent we have 30 frames a second which is 29.97 there's 29.97 and then we have uh then we have 59.98 or 60 frames a second and kind of my quick 30 second here's what the differences are cinema motion picture stuff 2398 most youtubers are going to deliver in 2398 when hmm. you when you watch the news or basic cell phone footage or just most TV programs that are just like showing up on your screen or like on Hulu, a lot of those are being played back at 30 frames a second because it's general. It's it's pretty, it looks like average video. Okay. And then your 5997 or your 60, that's your high speed stuff. So ESPN, or daytime soaps. Daytime soaps also play at 59.97. Really? And, and, and a lot of live streams for like video games will play back at 59.97. Oh yeah, I know. I know. To just kind of show you those clean <laughs> That's frames. Great. But yeah, watch daytime soaps, especially like Telemundo. It's all in 60p. Or sometimes they will show it in 50p, which is the international standard. So oh, inter- international standard in the EU, uh, EU, um, China, Japan, they're also going to have 25 frames a second instead of 24, and 50 frames a second instead of instead of 60 wild and that's all to do with the frame the refresh rates of monitors so how quickly those frames kind of that's crazy back up so actually having a um a tv with a different standard showing up in a frame at a different standard gets you flickering so if you've ever seen flickering on on the screen of a video like that's what's going on it's a weird frame rate yeah
0: that's nuts uh with so with the 60 frames and 50 frames, they're mm-hmm. not slowing that down to 25 or 30. They're actually, like, it's being played back at 60 frames a second.
1: Yeah. Wow. I did not know that. Huh. Yeah, I mean, I knew that when I when I watch, like, video game streams or I, I stream myself, it's at yeah. 60. And, you, and just, you can tell because it looks 60. too
2: real. It looks too smooth. Yeah. yeah. So if if you ever, like, usually people instantly just kind of, like, are, are taken aback. By like, why does this look so funky? You're like, whoa, I'm kind of, like, in the room. And it's, like, the first time everybody sees a plasma screen. Uh, for the folks at home, plasma screens are those old things that's, that are in your grandpa's den. They kind of heat the whole room. Um, <laughs> They're <a> pla- huge. <laughs> yeah. And those those screens are actually operating at an even higher frame rate. That's why people got them at first, because they were so, but they were, like, too much, because we hadn't fully, like, embraced all this other digital stuff yet. <laughs> I um, along with frame rate, frame rate also requires, because you're doing that many frames a second, they require a unique shutter speed. How long you're sampling it well if you're going 24 frames a second you've you literally cannot have a shutter speed longer than your frame rate so the slowest shutter speed you can have is 1 24th of a second but that would look really weird. When you have a frame rate that's at the same speed as your shutter speed, things look like, whoa, like people do, will do sequences like that to show that somebody's like inebriated or on drugs or something. Oh, because yeah, like, yeah. oh, it's it's too wavy, it's too smooth. To get huh. like the standard like smoothness of motion that you'd want in most videos, the easiest way to do it is, is w- one over twice your frame rate. So your, fr- your shutter speed is now effectively double your frame rate. So if I'm doing 24, uh, my little fuji's great because it has a shutter speed that's one forty-eighth of a second so i just it's locked in there all the time that's perfect and this in other higher end cameras is referred to as shutter angle mm. and this is another like point of confusion shutter angle is just like the filmmaker's term for the same thing that says shutter speed except it is equivalent to how film would spin, not spin, how the gate would spin. So mm-hmm. uh, on your film cameras, film is kind of moving through vertically, right? Up mm-hmm. and down. And there is a little cylindrical column that has a certain angle of opening. And that permits the right amount of light to hit the film as it's zipping through the camera. And that's called your film gate. And that angle of that opening is called shutter angle. It effectively gives you the same thing as a fixed shutter speed.
0: There's yeah. some really cool GIFs online that show, oh, yeah. that show oh, how yeah. that work too. Mm-hmm.
2: I'll have to drop those in the notes. That's sweet. If
1: yeah. If you can find those. Okay. Um, you want uh, to do
0: the last one and then... Yeah, yeah. So
1: this one, I, I you know, I think most people know what a, a solid state drive is. Uh, you know, kind of like a thumb drive or a, a hard drive that's not spinning. Everybody knows what white balance is because that's, that's very photographic. But this is something that has eluded um, me um, in terms of the advantage of one over the other or what the difference truly is other than the shape of it. But what we know what HDMI is that's that's the kind of the port that most people plug into their their HDTVs but mm-hmm. what's SDI versus HDMI
2: okay yeah so SDI is kind of an older standard that has been upgraded over time mm-hmm. um, so an SDI or serial digital interface is uh, it looks just like a coax cable right. or like your cable TV cable it's <laughs> a, it's a thick black uh, shielded cable that has uh, a really a really good uh good conductive core in the middle of it and it can carry a signal really really far and that's because it's got a it's got a really nice grounded connection and it's it's power you know it's powered by the device that's that's running it but it can just go for long long runs so you'll see a lot of well even now a lot of things are moving wireless but even a lot of these wireless transmitters receivers will also have an sdi it's a more solid connection um hdmi because there's actually so many there's a lot of wires in hdmi because they're they're giving more information sdi's are literally just like it's a one-way or two-way street depending on how much you know metal you put through there right hdmi has a lot of tiny little wires in it and hdmi is a lot more like a garden hose uh, you can kink it you can interrupt the signal um, even here at the learning studio we probably go through yeah, hdmi cables a good one will last like two years of heavy use but sdi's The only thing that's going to happen with SDIs is it'll get the standard for it will become too old. So you have like your standard, uh, your older SDI cable, which was called a BNC cable. Those are just the ones that will do up to like 480, which is uh, like you're not going to use that. Um, Some will do 720. (laughs) But then you've got your... Your 3G SDI, which will be your 1080 footage, and then you have your 6G SDI and 12G SDI, which are going to be like your 4K, 6K, 8K footage. So, mm. uh, and those are rated based on uh, just yeah, how much stuff is in there and how thick a signal it can it can shoot down. Mm-hmm. Huh.
1: Cool. Interesting. I did not know that.
0: I always I always kind of think of SDI versus HDMI as like as like XLR versus three and a half millimeter.
2: Yeah, it's it's very like similar to that. Yeah. yeah. A, HDMI huh. is more like Because it's tinier little wires without individual shieldings on those, they're more fraught with things like signal interruption. And and the signal just drops down so quickly. So HDMI, if you run it more than 15 feet and it's not a good one, like, your signal quality is going to drop down. And it's going to need to have, like, a powered connection every now and then. So you can re-up that connection by putting it in a little splitter box or a little powered thing. Or even a monitor can bump that signal back up. Hmm. But SDI, it's like, I can't mess around. i got to have this thing run 300 feet. And it's got to get from here to here. And it just does it. Oh, yeah. Fascinating. Cool, uh,
1: you want to move on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got some. Now that we've now that we've kind of picked your brain on what all of this this uh, vocab means, we've got hmm. some experience and life expertise uh, questions for you. And uh, you know, Tom and I came up with three. I think I'm really going to stick with two, but Tom, I think I'll stick with two as wanna, well. Okay, cool. Yeah. So Tom, why don't you kick us off with with some questions for Matt?
0: All right, uh, my first question here is. It has to do with gear and uh, I think we've already kind of touched on this a little bit, but I know Matt, that you're a huge proponent of like learn the gear that you've got before Mm -hmm. going out and buying more and thinking that buying more gear is going to solve all your problems. Um, What is what's one of like one of what's one of the mistakes that you see more frequently where people tend to like jump the gun too quickly and think that they need this thing before learning something that they've already got that probably already does the thing or something like that?
2: Uh, yeah, no, it's just the standard, uh, cart before the horse. They're excited. Yeah. They want to yeah. do a lot of, uh, they want to do a lot of things, but they don't even have the one main thing down. That's really, really important. Like knowing how their camera works and what it can do. And yeah, <laughs> sure. once you, once you unlock that 12 inches behind the camera, that, that's your brain behind the way. <laughs> <Hey>. uh, <laughs> once, once you unlock that, you're going to have so many more, uh, things you can do. And I think it stems from like a greater, uh, battle to like we We live especially here in the u s. We have a very uh, a very buy it now get it now or before you've even thought about it mentality and problem solving isn't that problem solving is never that quick unless you have that experience. so yeah. go out and get that experience first uh, when you experience something you are, you are you're troubleshooting as well. You're using those like really core monkey survival instincts and and rewiring things to troubleshoot, not just have watching somebody else give you the answer. It's kind of it's the whole like adage you can, uh, you can give a man a fish, you can teach a man to fish. So yeah, it's getting that building that experience allows you to troubleshoot with what you have and limitations can help you. And I think the number one thing when somebody's like walking into a retail space, you know, like here at Midwest, they, oh, I don't want to be limited. I saw this video and there was they said there was negative things about it. Well, yeah, there's gonna be negative things about everything. Yeah, but for the, sure. The negatives about a camera in 2021 are <laughs> so. There's there's not a bad camera here. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, I heard that was bad. I was like, wow, you should have seen this store six years ago, right? <laughs> you <laughs> right. You thought that was bad. Yeah. Like, so there's so much good stuff out there. You just need to get get really, really well versed with the camera. And if you want to like boil it down to just like core stuff, like what do you actually need to get going? Do you have a phone that's less than two years old? Great. You don't even need a camera. Like, start with your phone. Get really good with that. So you figure out what limit. You you probably don't even know what the limitations are because you haven't used it. Mm -hmm. So start with your phone. And if you don't want it to, like, look terrible or sound terrible, two things that you can probably upgrade instantly and see a a huge increase, some decent audio. Mm -hmm. Not even, like, just just external audio. So good Mm -hmm. audio and good light. Get a light. Like, one light's not going to kill your budget, especially versus, like, a camera. So yeah. if it looks good and it sounds good, like if it's lit and it sounds good with slightly pro audio, you're going to be way, way ahead of everybody else that's buying gimbals and drones and, and I love that high so MRIps. much. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's like, I can't
0: tell you how many times I've seen it happen here, uh, where somebody comes in to buy a camera thinking that a $1,500, or $5,000 camera is going to make by default a better video or better mm-hmm. image than their phone and they end up buying a light or a microphone instead because i think it is just one of those things where you think that by spending more it will be better and easier but that's not always the case in fact it's usually opposite
2: of the case because once once you get into a certain price point you're delving into the world of professional tools where it's just assumed that you know why there's a custom white balance button and then Mm -hmm. a general white balance button because one's a preset you press and hold it and it Mm -hmm. generates a white balance but why? If you don't understand why there's 16 buttons on the left-hand side of the camera, because that's where you're supposed to hold it, mm-hmm. it's not going to do you much good. So get get sick of your phone. Yeah. <laughs> get si- Get sick of your your T5I. I can't tell you how many great YouTube mm-hmm. channels I've seen start with an iPhone six mm-hmm. or a Rebel T5 like T5I, and those are like you know comparably crap. Those are dogs, yeah. Yeah, and it it doesn't (laughs) matter. Like, it just doesn't matter. uh, A really great example. We we all know him and love him. Uh, Mr. Tariq Terry. Yes. Yes. He literally was shooting um hopefully he doesn't feel like i'm calling him out too much he was literally <laughs> shooting a lot of like small interview production stuff mm-hmm. on his 5d mark ii like he still does yeah yeah shoot stuff on a 5d mark II. Like he literally just upgraded two weeks ago to the r5
0: <laughs> that's great i remember that's funny that he did that because the 5d2 probably was the r5 of its time just like that was, was the first like big I remember. Camera. I remember it, it being like,
1: "Holy moly, we yeah. can shoot HD and change out lenses." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And
2: what options did you have? You didn't. You could. You could yeah. shoot it. That yeah, was it. that was it. Yeah.
1: that was that was the extent. That's awesome.
0: And I love the. I. Uh, it's a light or a microphone are so not as sexy as a lens or a camera, yeah. but it doesn't matter. And you are going to end up with such better results. And I love that. It's That's very awesome. true.
1: I'm also imagining somebody who shoots video in, in 2010, hearing the complaints of somebody in 2021. On just it. laughing at it. <laughs> yeah. just, just wanting to smack them so hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, so kind of diving a bit deeper into uh, video options if somebody if somebody begins shooting video mm-hmm. whether that's with their phone or maybe they've got a rebel or they've got like a you know a 5600 from nikon whatever it might be um with, so they have like three different options for hd at this point right you've got 720 1080 4k mm-hmm. some crazy cameras go up to 8k um, what should a shooter who's starting off in video take into consideration when it comes to those resolutions and what other equipment might be necessary to resolve or edit some of those Yeah and that's
2: you, usually the first thing is like hey is your is your phone is your camera newer than your computer you should probably fix that especially now with how how like the last couple of years have really uh really started delivering us really good uh mobile computers like the M1 Mac Pros and mm-hmm. Um, some of the new Windows machines with the the, uh, the ARM or ARM based processors which are just like efficient and small and, and great hmm. so like a computer upgrade is like you're probably going to take a trip to Micro Center right after you, you buy that, that <laughs> new piece of kit or get good with it but if yeah the you probably don't want to be shooting something on 720 at this point because like even really bad phones are, are resolving 1080 at this yeah. point but yeah. like 1080 is fine if you're pl- and ask yourself what you're gonna be doing are you gonna be streaming stuff 1080 is fine mm. 4k is actually a liability if you're streaming because now you're gonna have to have hardware that can decode it and compress it and do all their stuff faster yeah so you're gonna spend more on something that you didn't even want to spend money on in the first place so start with 1080 if you're streaming if you want to do pre-recorded stuff and you want to do things like YouTube where you like punch in occasionally or check details um, I shoot everything in 4K but I've never delivered anything in 4K because that's insanity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no like very few people are watching it on 4K. Many 4K screens for years have been upsampling 1080 anyway cuz they they don't have a full oh, giant processor in them. Interesting. So they're they're just up, uh, upsampling so I just deliver everything in 1440 which is like your, your 2K. It's like a little bit more than 1080. Yeah. Uh, but it gives me enough room. And oh my gosh, I punched in 400%. That's only seven, whatever. It's it looks <laughs> fine. It's for two seconds. Yeah. If, if somebody is like freezing individual frames and critiquing those sort of things and they're watching my videos, they have not only missed the point, but they are like aggressively ignoring the point at that point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, and there's, there's something to that too, where you watch, if you watch a video from 10 or 15 years ago, that was kind of going back to what you were saying before. That's well lit and has good audio. It doesn't matter what if it's four, or is it 480 or like 720 yeah. or anything like that. Like as long as it looks good and sounds good, you're going to understand that this existed in within that timeline of resolution or whatever.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and uh, one good thing to, to follow, uh, I follow a whole bunch of you know as part of work, I follow a whole bunch of like video blogs and stuff. Yeah. But there's a site, Pro Video Coalition, that like mm-hmm. rounds up every single year. They'll round up like the Academy Awards and all the different film festivals, and they'll tally up uh, just for like nerdy nerd points, like which cameras are showing up, like what, what productions were shot on what camera. Yeah, yeah. The top of the list is still the Aria Alexa Mini, which is a camera that's been out since two thousand two. Oh my gosh. It only wow. does 1080. It only does Whoa. 2K. That's crazy. So like all of these amazing movies that you, like I couldn't even list it. There's, there's thousands yeah. of really good productions. that have been done with this, but it's a 2K camera and people are like, Oh, you know, and this is in the back of my head while someone's like, but what about 6K? And I'm like,
0: <laughs> no but Just, what about 12k and all, the, <laughs> and all of a sudden Tariq's like I guess my 5 d
2: 2s is all right you know yeah it's, <laughs> so, that's that's like a really minimal portion of it but like if you're not doing if you're delivering something live 1080 is is fine 4k is overkill if you're doing pre-recorded stuff the 4k options are now no longer uh Prohibitively expensive. So like attendee the options like gimme. It's like giveaway at this point. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And 4K options are a little bit more expensive, but not like double or even triple. So probably go for the 4K if you can swing it. Yeah.
0: Cool. Nice. Uh so my next question is is a little bit more conceptual. Um when I went I originally went to school for design and I would sit in sit in front of my uh sketch pad a lot of the time. Uh, trying to like develop my chops for like technical drawing and stuff like that and i would think about what do, what do I want to draw and i would struggle with that a lot and i think a lot of people now they get oh uh, kind of like what we were saying with uh, the cart before the horse kind of thing mm-hmm. but uh, what do you what kind of advice do you have for people starting out that really want to kind of develop their chops and get better at get better at this craft, but they don't know where to start or what they don't know where their niche is yet.
2: Yeah. So the best thing you can do is, is force that experience. So either uh, make it, make it like a creative exercise. And it's just like, so none of these, I'm not gonna. I'm sorry, guys. I'm not gonna be able, able to offer any really sexy, cool buy it now solutions. are <laughs> gonna be the same solutions that you hear from everybody else that has done a thing for a long time, mm-hmm. but only been recognized recently for that thing. Guess what? They've been practicing at it <laughs> yeah. for their, like a very, very long time. So force that practice. Whether it's a few minutes a day, like just handling the camera, so you're like, oh well, that doesn't make sense. Let's figure this out. So get yourself into into not trouble, but like create problems that you need to solve by using that, that mm-hmm. tool. If, if it's like a, if it's a gear knowledge thing, well, you have to force some, some learning with it. Mm-hmm. If, if it's getting you out of the house to do it, um, find a friend who's already working on something. If you know, if you know a friend that's doing filmmaking stuff, you know, they always need a grip. So go out and help them grip, volunteer for, for people. If you're not sure what <laughs> you want to do, Go yeah, go be a fly on the wall, or yeah. even better,
0: voice-activated light stand. Yes, go yeah,
2: go, yeah, go haul C-stands for uh, a local somebody that's doing local productions. I actually got a lot of my chops from going to, uh, so I would volunteer for. I would I would see something coming up that. Uh, so this is when we were Midwest was still like going to every trade show. Yeah, forever like hauling <laughs> the truck. I would on top of doing all those trade shows, I would see things coming up and like uh, there was like a local. Uh, a local hotel that was doing like a two day cine school sort of thing mm. where um, there would be like a well-known wedding filmmaker or we had one, one time it was Tom Antos who's like a big YouTuber and mm-hmm. like tech kind of stuff. But he also does really creative stuff. And I was like, no, let's go advertise our cameras there. And this is like still when we were like, we barely had like a C100 Mark two and stuff. And I was going to, <laughs> s- I would get in there and there'd be a few times where they'd only have like one paid assistant for all this extra gear. And I'm like, Hey, do you want some help? And they're like, sure. And so I was, I was not just like sell, like slinging gear and like handing out Midwest cards. I was also helping with the setup. And I, I learned more in the hour of helping them set up and the hour of helping them tear down, about what's necessary and not necessary about this gear than even the nine-hour workshop that I, I like sat through. So those were really valuable. And then beyond that, um, uh, like my favorite, my favorite Midwest like customer of all time and just good human being, uh, for filmmaking, uh, Mr. Steve Musa. Mm. I oh, volunteered yeah. Yeah. for Steve a few times. I'd, I'd hit him up with questions, be like, Hey, why are you renting this? And not that. And then he'd like give me like the quick, Oh, well that's too much. This is easier for this gig. And like, I also, uh, tailed along on a few, few uh, fewer higher end gigs for him. And even, Even paid me a couple times. That was kind of cool. So it's like you have to force that experience. Yeah,
1: I like that. That's very cool. Even if it's even if you you know you're not getting paid for it, you kind of are getting paid for it with the information that you're gaining. Yes, in a sense. So um, that's pretty cool. Um, (laughs) So Tom Tom seems to have like a lot of like sub experiential questions. Mine are more (laughs) techy. So I'm gonna Sup, nerd. (laughs) 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 Sub nerd. Um, I'm gonna switch back here because we talked about. Um, you needing a uh, solid computer to you know edit the footage that you're you're going to be capturing if you're going to be capturing something that's newer than the computer that you own. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had had this conversation uh, in passing briefly, and you said, "Oh, you know, don't be scared. It's 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 fairly simple to uh, install one." And I I realized how simple it was to install an internal SSD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, onto my PC. Um, but if if somebody is going to be editing footage mm-hmm. do you recommend them importing said footage into an ssd that they have that they keep off site that they keep in their bag that they 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 keep for you know, in general safekeeping and then hooking it up to like a high speed uh thunderbolt or usb3 or do you recommend them importing that into their internal ssd to edit
2: oh that's a good question so yeah this this is diving a, a little a little tech wise but when it comes to so there's two there's two tr- like um p- points of like potential trouble when yeah. it comes to like ingesting footage and editing footage so and that's usually just what they call like ingest so ingesting is like how do you get it into your system mm-hmm. and then editing it where everything's like coming from when it's there so when you're ingesting footage there's a backup strategy and i, I talk about this even in our photo um our photo 102 uh the backup strategy is called three two one. For every piece of important stuff especially if you're getting paid for it you want to have three copies mm-hmm. in two locations, one of those locations should be offsite. And this is classic IT advice. So, mm-hmm. yeah. oh my gosh, that means I already need three hard drives. Uh-oh. <laughs> but it also really helps if you have something that's that can be externalized or is network attached, so a NAS. Uh, so that's something that's hooked up to your home network. So that's just getting the footage into a place where you're safe. Mm-hmm. It's not... so. You know you don't want all your eggs in one basket at very least have a backup so uh, you know i brought my my little gaming laptop with me today for editing footage like um, you more than likely want to have access to three drives Hmm. and those three drives are usually uh, like the following you have a solid state drive or smaller ssd which has your os and your programs on it so all of the all the stuff that works in the background should not halt the process so that's usually on a a really nice fast solid state drive so that's your your boot disk your your operating system and programs they'll sit there for video editing you can also have your main footage your principal footage your unedited stuff that can sit on a larger uh, a larger slower like magnetic drive Mm -hmm. or if you're fancy you can put it on a solid state drive but that'll cost a little bit more because Mm -hmm. it's larger storage So those are the two that are usually sitting internal in the computer. And a lot of computers, any computer in the last six years, is going to give you two drive bays, even on a laptop. Mm -hmm. From there, then you need to think about uh, caching. So a lot of editing software will not play things back at full bore, or else it will crash all other instances of stuff that are going on in your computer. So many software suites have, have a way to compress this or cache that footage. So... It's not sitting on your computer's RAM. It's its short-term memory or its GPU RAM. It's uh, what's rendering those graphics. So we can have a smaller uh, attached through Thunderbolt or USB type C solid state drive. And those are gonna be the ones that we're gonna wanna like make sure they're rip and fast because the cache, you wanna have access to that really quickly. Yeah. And if you have these all in different places, your editing software is gonna be able to pull from them and access them very quickly. If every So imagine all this stuff is all sitting on the same drive well, now the operating system needs to do this in the background, that's, you're borrowing from one, you know, from Peter to pay Paul sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And everything slows down as a result, if not crashes entirely. So you wanna kinda like split your operations. And for higher end video editing, where it's like collaborative and you have like uh, people, you know, in a building all working on the same video, they're gonna have even more drives committed to different caches. So they're gonna have their, um, their cache on one disc and they're gonna have uh, another disc called a scratch disc for for different audio tracks so multiple sets of audio coming through mm. this isn't as much of a problem because audio is like free like the space <laughs> is is nothing so right. you know, us talking for two days is going to be like a couple of gigabytes it's nothing huge yeah but in the past that was a, a bigger thing to to worry about so you want to have like three disc and uh there's multiple different types of solid state drives there's like your uh, your standard SSDs, which are pretty cheap anymore, but then I recommend because it's where it's where the, it's where all the cool kids are at. You're going to want to get some NVMe drives. So non-volatile memory express. They're little chips. They're about uh, they're about a half inch wide by an inch and a half long. They are adorable size. <laughs> I'm I'm calling it now. We're going to start seeing these. There's already one camera on the market that can take them. Yeah, but I think. Black Magic, right? It's Black Magic, 12, the 12K can take them right now. Oh, okay. No, it actually has a battery grip where it can go internal. Oh, whoa. That's where memory is going. So you know how like the That's CF... That's genius. Yes, and it yeah. should go this way because I just bought... So here's here's the cost savings here, folks. Like here's the here's why I'm talking about this. If you buy a... I think the fastest one we or highest one we sell for the Canon R5, they take those new CF Express Type B. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's literally shaved down flash memory mm-hmm. from these NVMe drives, except it's put in a different container and only a few people make it, so the price is crazy. So a 512 for that is like 1000 mm-hmm. bucks. Mm-hmm. I can go to Micro Center right now. Like if I leave in 20 minutes, I'll have a drive. Yeah. They have a 512 NVMe SSD, which is faster than that $1000 card. It's $60. Hmm. And then you buy a $30 enclosure for it, and you put, oh, my gosh, four screws, and you pop the thing in. <laughs> like If you can put the shape through the hole, you can do this. That's <laughs> <laughs> really that's <So> <laughs> $90, and you have something that's faster, can be externalized, cached. And, oh, yeah, by the way, it'll also work with a Pocket 4K, Pocket 6K. Yeah. Like. That's, that's where things are going. So in five years, hopefully, greed will not prevail, and we're going to have this awesome little chip that we can just pop into battery grips and stuff. Yeah. That'd be cool. And
0: we do carry the Delkin Juggler cards, if you guys are interested in those as well. And yes. trying those out.
2: Yeah, and they're literally the same thing. So, yeah, yeah, right?
0: <laughs> with, uh, with the editing that you were just going through everything there, I, I kind of, just because it's fresh on my mind... Would you want to talk about the the uh black magic uh speed editor real quick just because you were you were big on that and that was you were talking about speed and being able to do that on your laptop, which is crazy compared to like based on everything you just said what what I witnessed on Friday was magic
2: oh it's yeah, it's crazy, so now the tools aren't just like really cool as what we have for the the cameras but also like the hardest thing for me was. Forcing myself to sit down and edit because I had, I've been the video guy since twenty fifteen here at Midwest Photo, but and I've been like shooting small stuff. There was about four or five years where I was like shooting stuff, but then like I hated editing, and Mm -hmm. I I think everybody hates editing. Yeah, right. It's and it's just because it's a new skill. Like we're like really, uh, I don't want to learn a new thing, and there's Mm -hmm. so many different buttons and keys. The only way I fought through that was literally for giving myself a deadline. Every Friday, I'm going to put up a new video and I'm just going to start somewhere. I started with one on my phone and then I moved to my mirrorless camera and tried to do it with that. And then I just started forcing myself to do more and more. I also started tracking my time, how long it took me to create those edits. And when I started, it would take me eight, nine, sometimes even more hours to put together a 10 minute video. And that's that's a whole day gone just trying to like put something out there that can be like really soul crushing. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, no, there's gotta be a better way. Yeah. And there was, I just started doing more of it and optimizing and, oh, I don't need this and I can do this. Oh, I didn't know there was a shortcut that can do this. It's like copy paste. That's how they do that. Mm. And that made things faster. And now there's these specialized tools, which have like these little macros on the keyboard. And one of them is this brand new DaVinci resolve speed editor thing. And, it, for me, it was like kind of a dual purpose thing. I had not paid for video editing software in three years. I got rid of Adobe because I was like, All right, 30 bucks a month for something I'm not making money with. Like yeah. I should not be doing this. So cut out the fat too. Like yeah. f- figure out what's working and not working. I downloaded DaVinci Resolve, the free version. And I got to a point where now I'm putting more production quality into some videos. Some of these are going longer form. And oh man, why are my render times taking so long? And this, was, this wasn't just like one or two videos later. This was 30, 30 weeks later and figuring out, oh, it's slower because the free version is limiting me. It's not giving me my... So mm. I, didn't, I didn't even figure out that the limit wasn't me in certain things until I'd done it that many more times. So yeah. it's all of the experiential thing. But once I figured that out, I said, oh, okay, I'll buy the full version. And then lo and behold, they're like, hey, if you buy the new version, we're going to give you this little keyboard thing for free well, sweet. So I bought resolve 17, my little speed editor keyboard came with it. And then I, I did what every good consumer does. And I went to YouTube and I looked up the videos and they're like, well, it only uses the cut tab. This thing sucks. And I was like, well, what if I try to use it? And now those eight to 10, you know, eight, nine hours, I can cut the same level of video in less than an hour. But if I cut the video that I like to do now, so like for example, we you talked about the video I just put up last week. Yeah. Do you know when I shot that? I shot that on Thursday morning. Whoa. My, my videos go up Friday. Well, you guys only give me two, or you know, I'm only I'm only off a day and a half a week. <laughs> that's true. Because I do classes. Yeah, so yeah. Thursday morning, I get up, I shoot. It takes a couple hours to shoot. I go develop the film, because I came here to Midwest. I yeah, develop yeah. the film, that takes another hour and a half. While that's drying, I'll ingest the footage onto the laptop. That whole edit, by the time from the time I started assembling it, to it was uploaded, tagged, optimized, all that yada yada, it was about three hours. Dang! So, I can only do that because <laughs> I know what I need, I know what I don't need, and yeah. I have a tool that helps me do those things quickly. So yeah. that's the whole the whole thing. You're not going to it's not, it's not magic. It's just practice. Yeah. So, and it, so it's like all the non-sexy answers, but you've got to work at it and you've got to yeah. force yourself to do it. And maybe you don't have to force yourself to do it. Maybe you have the time where you've got more time off and you can commit uh, a long weekend to it. And if you do, well then maybe consider doing like a workshop or some sort of like series mm-hmm. of like more concentrated lear- learning doing that during that time. But I think most folks small steps are going to be a better answer. Yeah. Just yeah. like turn the camera on, figure things out. What the yeah. hell does this button do? Why, well, are, there, why are there menus? Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, and like those, those 30 weeks of nine hour days made it so that you could do what you did last Thursday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: It all, it's all additive. It's not. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing. People want to associate that, uh, that experience with, with a price tag. And there's a certain point at which, yes, you can kind of fast track some things. It's like somebody listening to this. I, I'm hoping you can cut out Five or ten weeks of those those days, mm-hmm. but maybe not. Maybe you're the kind that learns by getting your hands on it, and if you are, get get a schedule going. Yeah, and I know that sucks. Like no one wants to do that. Oh, now I have to get up 15 minutes earlier, and st- but just just it's try an it. investment
0: though. Yeah. 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 Yep. Cool. I dig it. All right. All right. All right. All right. What's up, Matthew McConaughey? <laughs> <laughs> We got some, we got some FAQs, or what do you want to move to? No,
1: there, I think Kev? I think frequently asked questions would be good. Are, are these really mm. frequently asked though?
0: How fre? What's or, the frequency of the question asking? In any case, yeah. um, <laughs> okay. So somebody,
1: somebody's got a camera there in in photography. Mm-hmm. Um, how? It, they're well versed. Let's say they've gone through your photo one hundred one, one hundred two, one hundred three. Um. And and just as a side note here too, he, you know, Matt just touched on some really cool stuff with DaVinci Resolve. He does, uh, he he didn't plug these, but I'm going to plug these. <laughs> uh, he does have some DaVinci Resolve classes coming up uh, at the Learning Studio that are completely online. There's two of them, um, mpexlearningstudio.com. If you want to sign up for those, we'll put it in the show notes. That said, somebody's taking your photo 101, 102, 103 class. They're very well versed with their camera. They're taking great shots and everything. Mm-hmm. How easy is it going to be for them to dive into video? How similar are the two uh, kind of uh, mindsets?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So it's all exposure. Yeah. Uh, and to like technique-wise, it's all exposure, shutter speed, aperture, ISO. But what video typically does for somebody coming from photo is it imposes more limitations because now your shutter speed's a little bit more fixed because yeah. of that frame rate it's thing we talked in. about. Yeah, it's it's pretty much locked in. If you don't lock it in, you're gonna see some weird stuff in your footage and you're gonna wanna lock it in the next time. Yep. So your shutter speed's pretty much fixed. Now, if you're starting to do things like log footage and whatever, now your ISO is locked in too. You can't go as low on your ISO. A lot of log footage starts at 800, 1200. My Fuji starts at 640. Hmm. What does that mean for the daytime? What do I have to do when I'm outside? Now I have to use a neutral density filter to knock everything down. So there are a few necessary tools but you don't know what those tools are until you start seeing those limitations. Mm-hmm. So start in a, like a controlled space. Well, what do I do in a controlled space? Like I literally started doing photos in my garage. Like, yeah. And if you watch the first few episodes of Large Format Friday, you're going to see me with crazier lockdown here. And there's, gonna be, <laughs> there's, like, there's like pipe wrenches yeah. and like an air it compressor like, in the background. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it looks like the set for Saw. yeah Yeah. Yeah. no it really does and it was like a mess and i hadn't even like redone the table in there yet It looked like i was gonna get like tetanus from like moving around too much (laughs) and but like i learned and i knew okay now i need some lights now i need some better audio so like you you have to get in there um and, and work with it a little bit but if you're used to the limitations imposed by manual and you can troubleshoot a manual exposure you can do everything you need to do for video
1: that's awesome yeah so, so, so if you know your photography stuff what i'm hearing here is that it's just another small step into adapting that uh critical thinking to video
2: yeah and and really uh, it's i see it flowing both ways now um except Definitely. there's like another step too that gets taken now because like film is hot again so like i'll see still photographers move to video but then i'll see like cinematographers they pick up film cameras because it's, oh, yeah. like, it's a whole new set of. Lim- they're already really good with these limitations, but then they're like, "Ooh, but what if I couldn't see it until I developed it?" You know? <laughs> so like they're going in like a completely opposite direction, which is really great. All you're, all we're doing is, we're just changing those those little neural pathways. We're we're trying something new, and the, yeah, if you if you're used to limits and you're okay with limits, like if you can go and. Do a shoot that you're not supposed to be able to do with a, with the wrong lens, like you know the YouTube said this was the wrong lens. Use that if you can do a shoot with that, you can do video. Like I love it's, that. It's not bad. Yep, I love I, that. I dig that. Uh,
0: and yeah, that I I love the I also love the idea of storytelling is completely different in stills than it is in video mm-hmm. and with cuts and all that. And I, I love the idea of that crossover happening more and more just because it's going to open people's brains to different ways of thinking with all that mm-hmm. and problem solving. That's great. Um, uh, last, I guess two weeks ago we had uh, the pastor next on, is mm-hmm. that right? That was two weeks ago, right? Yeah. The like COVID time two weeks is weird, but, uh, um, they are are you familiar with them oh yeah, yeah. mark and nicole yeah 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 they're great yeah. I, are you I, yeah are you familiar with like the video community that like
2: mark has kind of
0: been a part of and is cultivating
2: yeah not so much it's so, like I, I i've heard him talk about it and i know i know like one other uh, of our customers that's kind of part of that but but not so much and i think one thing that That happens, and even in a a larger, you know, a larger, or not that larger, but a more metro area like Columbus, Mm -hmm. there's still a lot of um, kind of this old school mentality to it, and I see this with, like, we all see it with, like, you know, like the crusty older photographers Mm -hmm. and stuff where it's like, oh, this is my process, and this is my thing. There is. There is enough for everyone. Yeah, here in Columbus, we have over a million people in the metro area. You know. Yeah, there is a lot. There's plenty to go around, and I love the the idea of getting together and collaborating and sharing. I think it's the only. It's really going to be the only way forward as these tools, like grow in, um, in complexity and quality and everything. So, uh, getting getting creatives together is always a good idea, but if you're getting started it's it's also just a great way to to meet people and just figure out what they're about and if you tag along with them long enough you're going to know if that's the kind of thing you want to do or if what you want to do is something completely different yeah yeah that's that's or- actually really good um yeah.
1: they so they they've got this um kind of mentorship program that they're trying to cultivate and it pairs newcomers and amateurs with creators like professional creators and professional creators with other professional creators. And it kind of just stews and over and over and over again, Mm -hmm. so that other professional creators are learning from other professional creators and getting advice on how to mentor other people. But the newbies and the amateurs are also learning from those professionals as well. And I think, um, you know what you just said, I think it gives somebody the opportunity to network like what they were, you know, kind of talking about and preaching. And um, to learn whether or not this is something they truly want to be a part of because it is a it is a larger community. You're right. There's, uh, you said half a million people in the metro area. No, there's a million people. A million, people in, million the metro. people in the metro area, yeah. which is crazy um, because I think that's like 25% of the population <laughs> of Kentucky. I looked it up yesterday. There's like only like 4 million people in Kentucky, hmm. which means Central Ohio is home to uh, 25% of that population. Well, not home to, but. Sure. You know what I'm trying to get at yeah. here with the numbers. I
0: know how math works. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. <laughs> one plus one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think
1: uh, you're right. Everybody, there's there's a slice for everybody here. Um, there's no need to hide that information or try to uh, hoard it or you know be like Gollum and, and hide the ring or anything. <laughs> mm,
2: yeah, I mean that, that's the whole reason I do um, I do what I do on the the, the YouTube channel, Large yeah. Friday. There is there is big gatekeeping energy in in that part of it. And um, it's, it stinks. It shouldn't take somebody 10 years to to figure out how to do something that literally watching someone that's done it for years, just watching them for a few Mm -hmm. minutes, you can do it. Yeah. Everybody should be able to have that quick access. So uh, I
0: love that you, yeah. yeah, I love that you just let that access flow too. Like I've seen you help people on the sales floor just with random things and, it's funny, you, like, even in this conversation, you're dropping little terms and things, and you do that in the same way when you talk to other people, mm-hmm. and if they ask something, you're like, that's the right question, here, and then you just, like, it snowballs, and you just yeah. end up, and an hour and a half later, person may not have bought anything, but now they're just, they've got tons and tons of knowledge on whatever, Yeah. yeah, or they now know that they need to go home and study a little bit more before making a decision. Which usually, like, I,
2: I mean, I guess that makes me a terrible salesman. I send more (laughs) more people packing with my card than anything else. Yeah. But I would rather that than, like, a frustrated, like, nobody, who is coming into a store anticipating that they're going to, like, go home, come back, and, like, do that a whole bunch of times. Like, nobody wants to do that, but you're going to feel better if you've been told by someone that, like, kind of knows their stuff that maybe, maybe you should figure out a little bit more about what you want. Like I would, I I know I would respect that answer coming from somebody and I know it'll never happen to me at a car dealership, but I'm really glad it (laughs) happened in this retail environment. And I
1: think, you know, you said that that doesn't make you get a good salesperson, but I actually would argue that it makes you a better salesperson in that if I go somewhere (laughs) and somebody's trying to shove something down my throat, I know they're trying to shove it down my throat. If I go somewhere and I meet a Matt Mirage and they're educating me on their specialty and what they have here and what I don't need, I'm gonna trust you far more yeah. than the person trying to shove it down my throat. Yeah. So I'm going to come back to you for advice. I'm gonna come back to you for the sale. I'm gonna come and, and I think that is the that is the essence of what uh, you know, Tom and, and the sales staff here has done is uh, we don't. I think we're pretty open that we don't work on commission, and yeah. that uh, that we're just trying to simply help you, and that's what we do here at Midwest. Yeah, build than,
0: connections and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Be a be a community resource. Yeah. And, So I would argue, Matt, that that makes you a better salesperson. Well, thank you.
0: If I go to Home Depot and try to buy a washer dryer set that's like made for an industrial situation and they don't tell me that I need a special connection before I leave with it (laughs) and try to install it, like I'm going to be upset and you prevent stuff like that from happening with. Yeah, with Tom. Buying video
1: stuff. Are you buying industrial? Are you washing money? Uh, yeah. Do we need? Uh, do we need to contact some authorities? I've
0: been watching a lot of Breaking Bad lately <laughs> during this <laughs> pandemic, and yeah, I've got a, I've got a whole situation. We're good. We're good. There's always money in the, in the chicken, in the chicken business. What's that? The no, banana, banana stand. stand yeah. <laughs> I, I was going somewhere else, but we're good. Um. So, where do you, where do you want to go
1: next, Kev? I, I want to know. So I kind of want. I want to kind of. Conclude it before. I want to know. Oh boy, <laughs> fro! I'm the one who had coffee. <laughs> I just had my Earl Grey tea. Oh my goodness! <laughs> this is every other
2: Sunday, Matt. This is what I deal with. This is the most mild podcast. Ever. I was gonna say I'm trying to
0: bring it up to like Michael Rosso level. Like no, there's, there's we need some fart like some like the Google, yeah, the, Google the Google and the C41. Yeah, like all the, there's there's so many, there's so many of those.
2: And th- those like those are also like playing in my internal monologue when like somebody brings that stuff up. It just happens. It's, yeah, it's a tick at this point. So no, like this is the most mild that could be. But it's because it's like. S- smaller table it's a hot mess there's cameras all around so no it's fine it's it's nice this is a, it's a change of pace yeah <laughs> a little less stingers going this a, on yeah. this is a podcasting
1: yeah. vacation oh we got stingers I, you said that's pretty stingers cool. or stings. You said, oh, I was
0: thinking of the blue jackets with stinger. Uh, you said that's pretty cool earlier, and I was, I instantly, I was like, where's Cheyenne for this one?
1: That's pretty cool. Right there, there. she's right there. That's nice. But then we, you know, we've got it's all magic and unicorns. I'm Tom. And then we got stuff like <laughs> that too. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yep. So that's that's what we work with. But uh,
0: where are we going, Kev I, Yeah, we went <laughs> we <were> way <laughs>
1: off track there um Sorry, i want to before you... before we get to the the closer and challenge i want to see if matt has any final plugs any advice any last wisdom that he wants to pass along that he may not have mentioned that we might not have asked about
2: what what are your parting words sure so uh i, I guess this is also just you know retail advice in general so I get a lot of questions now through the YouTube channel through the podcast and you know customers at the shop and and students at class kind of all coming at me into the DMS and email at all times a day the one question that is very common regardless of what your pursuit is 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 this good tell me what to buy like here's the thing I want to get it so well obviously you want to get a thing that's why you sent me the thing and you looked it up a little bit and I will never tell you what to buy. Like I will never tell you what exact thing you need to buy. My job is to kind of like help you figure out like the situation that you're in and what what you do and don't know about it. I'll try <laughs> I'll try to lay that out as well.
0: To a fault, like I've seen someone come in four or five times, and like at the fifth or sixth time, you're like, just shut up and buy the thing already. You're ready. <laughs> like you've you've asked me about this enough, and yeah, you're you've convinced let's go. yourself. Yeah. yeah. Like okay, yeah, here's the thing.
2: <laughs> but like, I'm not gonna tell you what to buy, but I will just, just wait a sec, give it, take a step back. So I have this, this, uh, this lesser popular video I put out where, where it's like the, like a used gear, like starter guide, like how to assemble like used gear. The single most useful uh, thing I've done in purchasing gear isn't learning about the process, isn't learning about the market or anything like that. It's literally taking a step back and taking stock of it and seeing if I can live without the thing for a while because the answer is of course you can you have been up until this point so the same thing with the new camera that does you know the a1 of course it's amazing um all of my all of the guys i know that are making and creating already Mm -hmm. they can do it with like you know a paint can (laughs) and like some photographic paper and so they can they can literally make (laughs) <laughs> anything happen with anything because mm-hmm. they have that troubleshooting ability yeah to I think them.
0: think steven Takis was in yesterday so yep. yeah yeah so <laughs> steven Takis, my, my dark room roomie uh he's
2: kind of like i always call i always tell folks he's my he's like me if i went to art school so <laughs> yeah we get along so well we foil each other at times you know <laughs> he's great yeah so sometimes he's the art foil sometimes he's the tech foil to so like other things we're doing we get along super super great yeah. um but yeah like have some patience take a step back and see if it's a thing you need because a lot of the time it can be solved by by having that limit limitation or imposing that limitation on yourself so i guess this is yeah really boring advice practice and take a step back and i think it's good don't, to, don't I buy think it's the good thing. advice
1: that's solid advice yeah
2: i need i need to practice that yeah i mean honestly so
0: much on the sales floor i hear like variations of this just like sleep on it yeah mm-hmm. go home sleep on it if you're still like i need this then let's do it but
1: yeah as an impulsive purchaser i oh yeah am often told that by my wife who is a photographer
0: yeah speaking of i'm gonna go ahead and drop something here before we get into the into the final notes and the challenge what are you dropping uh we've got holdfast straps in stock and you were just uh talking about the impulse buys they've got mandalorian yeah special and dish. i want to
1: buy it so bad i know you do <laughs> i have no use gonna, for a 475 dollar dual camera strap i'm gonna call I'm, star wars themed I'm but gonna, i want it
0: i'm gonna call up ashley after this podcast and just prep her for what you're about to propose to her i've already showed her something. i showed okay. her
1: last night and i said if i were shooting weddings on a more regular basis i would buy this yeah when's your birthday it's in november are you thinking about buying it for me no
0: i'm just like hey ashley <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah we've got hold fast straps in stock now we've got them on display so you can try them out and all that stuff i know that emma parker talked about them on our previous podcast and steph parker whoa that's weird that they both have the same last name are you just both... realizing that yeah but both <laughs> of them have the the two people that are that are super hyped about these straps are uh yeah they're here and they're super dope super dope yeah and i'm, I'm gonna go ahead and, and since you mentioned them earlier matt i think that micro center is a huge resource for oh, columbus yeah. photographers in general just because they are the computer version of midwest photo you go in thinking about motherboards or 3d printing and they will sit there with you for an hour and a half and show you all the cool toys absolutely yeah.
1: try to yeah. in in something that you know matt was telling me earlier this week that I found very impressive and I think everybody should strive to do is uh, you only shop, you give yourself one opportunity per year to shop on Amazon and otherwise you find everything locally.
2: Yeah, yeah. And that's another one of those limitations. You do that for yourself? Yeah. He only shops
1: once a year on Amazon, which I find like- I'm probably at that level. I mean I'm I'm kind of at that level. I I, I I can't I haven't had Prime in like two years at this point.
0: Yeah, I haven't had Prime since I was a student and it was free for me since I was a student. In any
1: case, yeah. Do yourself a favor, try to support local business as much as possible. Um It's you, a
0: huge resource. It's another it investment. Like it's you're you might spend a few extra bucks, but that person now knows your spent your like purchase history and knows your habits and, and what
1: you're going to want next. And you're keeping the dollars local and yeah. all kinds of nice stuff. So, microcenter is a great resource. Um, you had mentioned earlier, like go to your local Barnes and Noble. There's also the Book Loft in German Village, which is a great
2: Book Loft and uh, Gramercy. Yep. Yeah, yeah,
1: mm-hmm. great, great bookstore. Cool. So, um, yeah, try to try to do that, folks. That's that's part of your challenge. Community,
2: bro. Yeah. The other thing with microcenter that's really really cool is i i went in there the first time thinking oh man i'm gonna get like screwed everything's gonna be marked up mm-hmm. a lot of times um you're actually getting screwed over by amazon and uh, and best buy and a lot of these online places because um, they're taking some of their um their smaller dealer rebates off they're, they're keeping that oh. center will usually price match as well as give you whatever their dealer rebates are mm-hmm. so you're usually saving a little bit of money so i can bring a PC part picker list, by the way, PC part picker.com. If you want to like help huh. spec out a, a new windows build machine for desktops, it's yep. awesome. Um, they have their own version on microcenter.com uh, com of a PC part picker type list, but you can bring them the list and be like, Hey, can you get me close to this? I mean, probably don't want to go right now. Cause 2021, we have a giant GPU and CPU store store uh, shortage. And mm-hmm. it, it kind of looks like a depression era uh, line uh, every morning at micro center oh, yeah. r- waiting for those cards. So Give yourself, like, an extra two hours if you want to go there right now. I but see
1: you, Bitcoin or miners.
2: Yeah, no, <laughs> I just – I can't even look people in the line in the eye because I, like, I know they're scalping and, and stuff. But Oof. Yeah. That's – thanks. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, so that's part of the – I'd say that's part of the challenge
1: is try to try to keep it local. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so with that said, let's give you your true challenge. What is the true challenge? The true – the final challenge. Is it a challenge of truth? No, it's a video challenge. Um, oh, okay. Go out – Make a short video of anything. Do it with your phone, do it with your camera, do it with your mom's old point and shoot. If it has video capabilities, just do it. It can be at home, it can be of your community, it can be of your small town, it can be of your large city, it can be of your pet, we don't care. Um, Yeah. Explore those settings, try to mess with audio, try to mess with color, try to mess with white balance, frame rate, shutter speed, all those things that we've talked about today. Um, and then upload your video to something like instagram or youtube or facebook and tag us or just like mention us or use the hashtag hashtag two wcb challenge which is what maddie has set up for us as a hashtag two wcb challenge yep that's two weird camera beards challenge
0: yeah i'm gonna i think i may try to take this for i may take this on i uh I've got an old uh, Canon camcorder that takes DV tapes that I like to shoot on sometimes just for that look. And uh, I think I'm going to go for a hike today. Oh, I thought
1: you you said you got to get a sick fish eye lens, go to a skate park. (laughs) I mean, I could. I could
0: even get a top handle, a small rig top handle for it and everything. I I would just go for
1: it. I would love for you to get a top handle, a fish eye lens, go to a skate park, and like sync it up some MXPX.
2: Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Rad. stuff. There we go. Hey, Kevin, let's sweeten this up a little bit. Okay. Let's, Let's jazz it up. With this closure challenge, what if we take, uh, we we look through this hashtag, say, I don't know, in a couple weeks? Yeah. And we pick a winner and just uh, give them tuition to the video series of classes that are coming up. Ooh. $120 value? I dig that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right, people. You heard it there, people. Upload your videos, tag them with hashtag the number two WCB challenge. And Matt is throwing up tuition to his video series. I better not win this challenge at the learning. Don't email. let me win this challenge. No, you're people. disqualified. I'm disqualified. <laughs> no workers. Yeah. All right, folks. Uh, thank you, Matt. That's very. That's very. Yeah. Very of cool of you. Yeah. Um, we're excited. We're excited to see what you guys come up with, and I'm I'm very curious uh, what will happen. I think I, Tom's going to do one. I'll do one, um, and we'll see what see what comes of it.
0: Nice. Cool.
1: All right, you wanna you wanna close this thing out? Sure thing. Um, cue the closing <laughs> credits music. Yeah, I don't know that we have any. Um, of course, you can always listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere that you listen to your podcast. You can share your photos and videos, videos in particular, this week share with us. Your video on Instagram at the number two weird camera beards or at MPEX underscore photo, underscore video. You can always send your images, questions, videos to our email at, well, don't send us, if you send us videos, try to do like Dropbox <laughs> or WeTransfer, otherwise it'll crash our servers. Number two weird camera beards at MPEX.com. You can find Matt Mirage on YouTube. Just search Matt Mirage, It's M-A-T. There's mm-hmm. no double T in that, so it's M-A-T M a r r a s h or M a t four two two six on YouTube, or follow the link in the show notes that will drop in there. You can find his YouTube channel there. Always check out his uh, podcast that he co-hosts uh, at FPP. Search anywhere that you listen to podcasts for FPP or Film Photography Project, and you can listen to him there.
0: Special thanks to our executive producer, Magical Mystical. Uh, Rainbows, sprinkles, all of that. Maddie O'Neill.
1: Beach enjoying.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then also thank you to Ken Lewis, uh, VP of Midwest Photo, and the president of Midwest Photo, Moisha Applebaum, for letting us use the space and ramble on about nonsense
1: for a little bit and try to stay on track. We also had a voice appearance from Cheyenne, our own Cheyenne Banks, who is our used equipment specialist here in the store. Yep. And then we had another sting that was Tom Wright.
0: That was you impersonating Tom Wright. Eh, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin is lies. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks.